Good morning. How are you guys? Hey, well, before we dive into today, I just want to take a moment. Um, something interesting happened on Wednesday night when I was here working with the middle school students, and I thought, hmm, I'm going to share this. Um, you know, when you come here and people are greeting you, or they're in the parking lot, or in the, in the coffee bar, or they're upstairs um, loving and just teaching your children, you see their faces and you have an opportunity to say thank you to them. But I would like to tell you that we don't usually have an opportunity to say thank you to our band, our production team back there, um, on a regular basis, because they're back there, and I don't know if you notice, they come here at 645 every Sunday morning, so that lights and all the videos, everything works. And when it doesn't work, they're the ones who figure out how to fix it, and they're all volunteers, just like all of the other folks. But I thought today, since we don't normally get to tell them thank you because we don't see them, if we could just give them a round of applause for doing that and keeping this thing going. Because on Wednesday night, I was back in the production office, which I'm pretty sure is a place Matt Moody, our worship leader, would never want me to be, and I'm trying to figure something out, and I thought, oh, wow, we just forget how great they are and what they do. So I just wanted to make sure we just touch base on that this morning. Um, This week, uh, and they do this every year on the Today Show, I believe, but at the end of the year, they bring on someone from a website, and they, this woman usually is who it is, um, she will share the top names of babies for 2011. So I just wanted to share the top five girl names and top five boy names with you. For the girls, we have Sophia, Emma, Isabella, Olivia, and Ava. And for the boys... Aiden, Jackson, Mason, Liam, and Jacob. And so I began to, as I was listening and reading that, I thought, you know, if I were to ask you the question, what's in a name, really, the answer is everything. Because I don't know if you remember as a young child or or, um, maybe you were a teenager, but when you got your first pet and you got to name it, like it was a big deal, right? And you don't want to just name it anything, right? Um, And and so I remember when we um, became pregnant finally with our first child, it was just like so much stress. It was like a lot of pressure because I kept thinking, my son's going to have this name for forever, right? Unless he becomes like Corey Feldman and he changes it in the courts. But I, I just thought, you know, and it was really funny because we'd be talking and I would come up with a name and he'd say, no, I knew a guy in fifth grade and he did this. We can't name him that. I said, okay. And so um, then like I remember with our daughter, he came up with a name. And when you said it, it just kind of sounded like the name Satan. And I said, I can't name a daughter a name that kind of sounds a little bit like Satan if you say it wrong, if you slur it a little bit. And so I just remember all of that trying to think through. And as I was thinking about this week, you know, in the Bible, names are very important. You didn't just hand out any name any time. So, for example, um, in the Bible, Isaac, who is the son of Abraham, his name meant laughter. So that kind of told you a little bit about who he was. Probably a happy guy, happy heart. Moses. His name meant drawn out. And remember, Moses was the one, as a baby, who was put in a basket, and the Pharaoh's daughter found him and drew him out of the river. You know, to God, names are very, very important. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to spend a few moments looking at a verse, a scripture from the book of Isaiah. And in this passage, God himself, through the prophet Isaiah, reveals four names for Jesus. And I want to be really upfront with you on this one. There are like... 250 names for Jesus in the Bible, and I don't know all of them that well. Like, I can't say I've walked through that name, but I want you to know, the name we're studying today, I get. And I have walked through it, and I want you to know I am very, very excited. So before we get going, I'm going to open us up in prayer. God, I just thank you for this opportunity to come and to open your word. And Lord, I just ask that you would slow me down, because you know how excited I am about this morning. God, I pray 
that you would divide this message up so every one of us hears from you whatever that looks like and what that sounds like. God, I pray that when we leave here, we would know a little bit more about Jesus and who he is to us. And in the process, we would understand more about Christmas. God, we love you. I am trusting you to speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen. So before we jump into our passage, let me just give you a little background. Isaiah is a prophet. And let me tell you what's going on in Israel right now. Nothing good. Because there is another, another a nation, Assyria, and they are closing in on where they live. And so Isaiah has become a prophet to speak to the remnant, what is left of believers in God that are being faithful to him. And so, for example, in Isaiah 7:14, to let them know, hey, listen, I just want to let you know there's a Messiah coming. He begins to prophesy, and he, he says this, The Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. And so when chapter 9 opens up, Isaiah is prophesying about a coming Messiah. And it's Jesus. Because he, we know he came, that he dwelt among us, that he died on a cross for our sins, and he was raised from the dead, and he sits at the right hand of God Almighty. And he was looking forward to a time when this Messiah would come. But for us, we know Jesus has born, has been born, so we are looking back when we read this. But Isaiah is also prophesying some about the second coming, which is the one that we are all looking forward to. And so when this passage starts out in chapter 9, verse 2, it reads this way. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them has light shined. And so Isaiah is setting the stage. He's saying, listen, there's going to be this Messiah that's coming. And he is going to be like a light in the darkness. In fact, Jesus himself in John 8, 12, he says this, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And then Isaiah goes on a little bit more because he wants you to know, let me tell you what's going to happen here about this Messiah. He says this, this Messiah, you will have multiplied the nation. You will have increased its joy. They will rejoice before you as joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping, tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. And he's saying, listen, there's coming a day when we're going to rejoice because our oppressor will oppress us no more. It'll be like the day in Midian when Gideon slew a bunch of enemies enemy soldiers with hardly any help at all, just God himself. He says, that day is coming. So I want you to know, and I want you to know, when Isaiah's t talking this, he's prophesying, it's like 800 years before Jesus shows up. Wow. So then he goes on. He says, but let me tell you exactly who's coming, because I don't want you to miss this. I've told you a little bit what's going to happen, but this is who it is. He says, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. And John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And he says, this son, the government, shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Aren't those strange names for a baby? But you see, God called Jesus as Jesus is. He is all of those things. And then he goes on in verse 7. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it up, to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. 
And who's going to do this? It's going to be the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And I want you to know that this morning we are talking about the name Wonderful Counselor. And I began to do a little research in the Hebrew, and I want you to know in Hebrew, the word wonderful is not there. It's actually the word wonder. And this is what that word means. A wonder, in this sense, is a marvelous or miraculous thing. It's actions that are beyond bounds of human power that you would look at and say are amazing or extraordinary. And that word counselor, it means just what you think. It means to advise, to instruct, possibly to teach or to advocate in a legal way. You see, I want you to know today, this birth of Christ that we celebrate at Jesus, we celebrate, but I want you to know he's a wonder of a counselor. He is a wonder of a counselor. And so I began to kind of process this a little bit, and I thought, hmm, a counselor. So my first question began to be, you know, why do people need a counselor? So the first thing I thought of, well, you know, life is full of all kinds of decisions and details and disasters, and sometimes we just need someone to help us to know what to do. I thought, okay. And, you know, Isaiah says this in verse in chapter 28, verse 29, that Jesus is wonderful in counsel and excellent in wisdom. Do you know that John 1, 3 says that in him all things were made, and without him nothing was made? You see, so if we ever need some help with some details or some guidance, it's so incredibly great to know that Jesus is a wonderful counselor, and we go to him, he is giving us counsel on the very things he created, the very everything. The people that you're having issues with, he created them too. And I thought, you know, another reason we go to counseling is because sometimes you go there because you're just searching for some purpose. You just want some meaning in your life. I began to think about that because the truth is, sometimes we're doing life, like we're doing life, but we don't feel like we're living. I don't know if that resonates with anybody this morning. But Jesus says in John 15, 5, let me tell you something. You let me counsel you, and I want to tell you, you will bear fruit that you could never imagine. You will do things that will blow your mind. He says, let me just think about it this way. I want you to think about me as the vine and you're the branch. And as long as your branch stays on my vine, you will bear much fruit. I mean, have you ever looked at a strawberry vine and you saw the vine and you saw a little branch coming off it? And did you ever see that branch just squeezing to make fruit? It didn't look like it's struggling. It's just abiding, hanging in the vine. And Jesus is saying, listen, if you are looking for meaning and purpose, I need to tell you, I can give you purpose and meaning beyond all belief. And then something else I thought about that we might go to a counselor for is sometimes there are these things in our life that we do that we can't seem to stop doing. Uh, for some of us, it, it, it just could be bad habits, or, or it could be, um, for some of us, it's a sin problem. You know, I love what First John reads this way, and it says this, and I'm paraphrasing. But it says, I want you to know that we don't have to sin because of what Jesus did on the cross. But let me tell you something. If you do sin, know this, that Jesus Christ is an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. And not only that, because of what he did on the cross, he atoned for all our sins. And Galatians 5.1 reads this way, that it is for freedom that we have been set free. Like we don't have to live in those things that we're stuck. So I begin to think about that. And about a year ago, I, I do an online devotion by a gentleman named Oz Hillman. And he shared the story, and I just got it. It just made so much sense to me. And it's about a young African lawyer. And he um, had been assigned this case, and now this case had made it all the way to their Supreme Court in his country. So there was him, this young 
inexperienced lawyer against this whole team of very experienced and resourced lawyers. And the deal with this particular case was there was five points that he had to argue. And this particular lawyer, this young lawyer, he was a Christ follower. And he had been going to, to Jesus with all kinds of stuff. So he went to Jesus because Jesus is a wonder of a counselor. And he began to ask him, this is the situation. What do I do? How, how can I study? For, I don't even know how to begin. And this is what he sends Jesus telling him. Do not worry about preparing for the first four points. I only want you to prepare for the fifth point. Now, I do not know if you've ever had a time in your relationship with Jesus where he's asked you to do something and you thought to yourself, man, if I have heard you wrong, this is just going to go bad. This is all going south. And I imagine that day that man heard that. But here's the deal. He had been walking with Jesus, and he just did the thing that he told him to do. So finally their day in court arrived. They get to the court. There's a judge, the opposing counsel, and there he is. And he, he approaches the judge, and he says, Judge, I'd like to tell you that I have no desire or need to discuss the first four points. I just want to discuss and argue the fifth point for this case. And the judge was excited because he's totally going to make lunch now. Said, this is going to be great. Well, the opposing counsel, they they're like, they rush the bench and they say, no, absolutely not. And they begin to say how they prepared and they want to share what they prepared. And the judge says, if he is not going to argue against you, we will not be going through the first four points. We will judge this case and determine it only by the fifth point. They went back to their benches, their spots. And I want to tell you what happened that day. Because that day, that young lawyer, he won his case. And here's why. Because this experienced group of lawyers, with all of their resources and all of their team they had working for them, had only prepared for points one through four. They had nothing for point five. And here's what I want to tell you. Only Jesus could have known that. And he is a wonder of a counselor. Every time. And so I began to think about this some more. I thought, well, you know, th those are some reasons that why we, we would need a counselor. But what makes a good counselor? And I immediately thought of this. The first thing that when I think of a good counselor, I think of somebody who has experience. Like I want someone who has lived the life I want to live, and I want them to have done a really good job at it, right? Like so when I am looking for advice, I will find someone who is ahead of me and who has done it victoriously, and I will go ask them, what did you do, right? And this is so interesting because Hebrews 2, 17, 18, it says this. And again, this is me paraphrasing. But it says this. It says that Jesus, and we know this because it's Christmas, that he became human in every way. And he lived a life, and he, was, he suffered and was tempted just like you and me. And then in Hebrews 4, it says this. It says that Jesus, he's not unable to sympathize with the things that you and I have going on because he was tempted in every way, but he did not sin. And then he says this. So go ahead and draw near with confidence to his throne. Because you will find grace and mercy every time for him. You see, he has all kinds of experience. He's a man who lived like we did and never sinned. And then I begin to think, well, you know, what else would be important to me was availability. I don't know if you've ever tried to call for an appointment and you're hoping to get in that day and they're like, we'll see you in about six months. Has that ever happened to y'all? Oh my gosh, that just frustrates me. But I want you to know that... Psalm 16 reads this way, that the Lord counsels us. Jesus, he counsels us even at night. And so sometimes, let me tell you how this applies to me. 
I will have a situation going on that either I don't know the answer or I'm not happy about, and or I just, I'm just flat out out of words. I'm like, I don't know what to do here, Lord. And so I will tell God as I get into that, I'll say, Jesus, listen, here's what I need. Could you just talk to me tonight, somehow communicate with my heart, so when I get up, either I have a solution or you've given me some sort of peace or joy over this situation because I don't know what to do here. You know something else about Jesus is that he is available 24-7, 365 days a year. I, 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 it says in Psalm 32, 8, it says this, it says that he instructs us and teaches us in the way we should go and that he counsels us with a loving eye on us. Did you know this morning that Jesus is for you, that he is for you? John 1.14 describes Jesus as the one and only Son who came from the Father, who is full of grace and truth. Psalm 16.11 reads that He, every day, He makes known to us the path of life. You know, something else He does on this whole idea of um, just the way He does availability, He's always truthful. Like, He's never, He's available and He has experience. He's always truthful and He's never going to lie to you because it's actually against His very nature. In fact, let me, let me tell you something about him. He is just unbelievable at his ability to communicate truth to you. And sometimes it's hard to hear. But not only does he speak truth to you, he will remind you of truth. Have you ever been sitting somewhere and all of a sudden something comes back that you heard? And you thought, oh. He is the one who can remind you of a verse that you've been reading from the Bible. He is the one that can remind you of a sermon you recently heard. He is the one that can remind you of someone that says something to you that just resonated in your heart. Because he is the one that is our true north every time. And so I want to share with you a great example of this. This week I received an email, and this is from a woman who is a Westridger. And um, this is just an incredible story. It was right before Thanksgiving, and she found herself in a Dollar General. And she had gotten off work, uh, and she had done tons of errands, and so it was, it was dark outside, it was getting late. And so she went into this Dollar General, she gathered what she thought was all her stuff, and she went to line. And the first line she went to, like, these people didn't have enough money, and their debit card wouldn't swipe, so they were having to take all this stuff with their buggy. And she was thinking, oh, I don't have time for this. So she goes to this other lane, and the same thing is going on. And she's thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm never, it's so late, I'm never going to get out of here. So she finally gets checked out. And she goes to her car, and she says that as she sat in her car, she got in her car, all of a sudden, Jesus began to counsel her. Because I want you to know, he's available anytime and anywhere. That's how he is. And all of a sudden, he began to bring back a couple of sermons that she's heard when she's, as she's been coming here to Westridge and remind her of something that he had shared with her in a book. And then he began to ask her, why did you not help those people out? And he just asked her nicely. He's never pushy. And she began to think about that. And her heart began to beating fast. And then as she's sitting there just thinking, I don't know why I didn't help. I mean, have you ever had a time when you, you realized you just missed doing something for God and you thought, oh, I missed it. But here's the cool thing. See, God's a God of second chances. And he immediately reminded her of something that she had forgot to get that she didn't put on her list. So she gets out of her car, and she's so excited. And as she's walking back in that Dollar General, she said, Jesus, if those people are in there, because one couple had left, if that other couple is still there, I'm going to help them. I'm going to pay for whatever they need. And sure enough, she walks in there, and she comes up to him and says, I want to pay. And the, and the husband looks at her, and it was an older couple, and he said, I, I don't know how I'm going to pay you back. And she says, you don't need to pay me back. I have a job today, and I've been blessed. I can help you. So she pays for there. They hug her. There's some tears. Then she leaves. And then after they leave, the cashier, right there, the Donald General, she comes out, she gives her a big hug to this Westridge, and she says, God bless you. 
And then she looks at her and she says, I want you to know something. You have planted a seed in me today. And she writes at the end of her email when she got back in her car, she just was so overwhelmed. Because here's the deal, Jesus is a wonder of a counselor. In that day, that night, he needed to communicate with those three people and just have someone be the hands and feet of Jesus to them right there in that Dollar General. And she just listened to him. She just followed his leading. And all of a sudden, she got to love on some people that she would have missed, that she would have missed otherwise. Something else that we look for in a counselor is we want them to be, to be wise, right? I mean, nobody wants to pay for stupid, right? So you're hoping that they're wise. You know, and it says here in Colossians 2, 3, that in, in Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Like 1 Corinthians 1, 3 says that he is described as wisdom in heaven. In fact, let me tell you how smart he is. Psalm 139 tells us about this. He is so smart that he knows when you get up and when you sit down. He knows when you go out and you come in. He knows from afar, like right now, what all y'all are thinking. He knows it right now. He is that smart. He is that smart. And I want you to know something. His wisdom is not of this world. It comes from heaven. And James 3.17 says that his wisdom is pure. It is peace-loving. It is considerate. It is full of mercy and good. You see, Jesus is a wonder of a counselor. We have all kinds of reasons that we need a counselor. And there are definitely things that we look for in a counselor. And one more thing that I always kind of look for is I wonder what kind of track record do they have? I want to share with you a little bit about Jesus' track record. All four Gospels, you can find these. For example, Mary Magdalene was a woman who was delivered after spending some time with Jesus from seven demons. But she didn't stop there. She became a part of a group of ladies that would follow Jesus and his disciples, and and she would help care for them. There was the Samaritan woman who had a conversation one day with Jesus at the well. She'd been married and divorced five times, and she was currently living with a man. And you know what? After that conversation, just at the well, she went back to her village, and she became a missionary. Then there was the woman who was caught in the act of adultery, Jesus saved her from death, and he sent her on her way, and she was transformed. And then there was Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector that was no one like, despised. And after having one dinner with Jesus at his house, he stood up in his house and he said, Jesus, I'm giving half of everything I own to the poor, and I'm going to go back and repay everyone that I cheated. And then there was Nicodemus. He was this older gentleman, and he was this Jewish religious leader. And in John 3, he came to see Jesus one night just to talk with him. That's all you do when you're getting counsel, you're talking. And that night, after that conversation, he believed on the name of Jesus. See, here's the deal. When these people would leave his presence, they didn't just have a solution. He would send them off in a totally different direction of life in a better way, on the path of life. How could he do this? He could do this because he is a wonder of a counselor. Like at every time, he is a wonder of a counselor. Because when you go to him, he knows all of what's going on. He doesn't just know your part. He knows everyone else's part. At your house, at your work, at your school, he knows all the parts. And here's the coolest thing. When you counsel with him, he's also the one who can affect all the other parts. He can reach in and do all kinds of stuff on your behalf. So let me tell you what this looks like for me. 
Um, I don't know about you, a lot of you probably have like your place that you spend time talking to God. Like you can talk to him during the day, but you gotta have this, maybe a space that you just spend and you're just gonna spend some time with him. For me, it is my closet. Um, and the reason is my closet is very small and everyone's scared to come in because they think they can't get back out. So it's perfect for my dog and my two children because they all just stand at the door and communicate and leave. So it works out great for me. And so I get to spend lots of quiet time in there. And so, so what I'll do is I'll just kind of share with Jesus, hey, here are some things that I don't know what to do about. I don't know how to respond. I don't know what my responsibility is. I don't even know what the answer is to this one. And sometimes as I'm sitting there, he will bring answers to mind. But sometimes it'll just be like whenever he wants to. So it's just very, it's very interesting how he works. And so, for example, um, we had been married six years. Uh, my husband is named Glenn. And so we thought, well, we should start having babies. I don't know what we thought, but we just thought this was a good time to try because we were getting old, I guess. So um, we started the process, again, whatever that means. And um, so shortly after we had just begun that, um, anyways, um, I, 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 well, and this has not happened to me hardly at all, but the Lord woke me up and um, I went downstairs to my basement because it's like nobody's there and I can't bother them and we didn't have any kids in, so it was just Glenn's. So I went downstairs. And so I thought, you know, Lord, I, Jesus, I, I don't, you're not bringing anyone to mind to pray for, so I, I got nothing. I don't really know what this is about. So I just got my Bible and he led me to Psalm 113.9 and this is the verse that he shared with me. And this is what it reads. He settles the childless woman in her home as a happy mother of children. Now, we hadn't really been trying that long, so I just thought, well, that is just the nicest verse ever. Thank you. I, I really didn't know what to think about that. But see, here's the deal. Jesus is a wonder of a counselor, and this is what he knew. Yeah, it's going to be a while before you get pregnant, sister. So I, I want you to have something to hang on to. Because what he knew was I was going to have to go through lots of doctor visits, lots of needles, lots of visits to Atlanta, all kinds of stuff. I, I, I want you to know one of the saddest places I've ever been to is a fertility clinic, like... Those people, those, those couples, it's just so sad, some of them. They're just so heartbroken. But see, I had this verse. I had this verse. And so all the while we're walking through it, I just kept thinking, okay, Lord, you said that you were going to settle the childless woman. And I don't know where these kids are coming from or what you're thinking, but I've got this verse. I'm going to keep pressing into that. So we finally, we, our first child was a son. And then, then after a couple years went by, um, we thought, well, that'd be great if we would get pregnant again. And so um, lo and behold, it didn't really happen really fast. And so I remember just saying to God, hey, Jesus, let me tell you something. Um, right here in this verse, it says, um, yeah, she's a happy mother of children. And see, that's plural. See, that's plural. And I want you to know, Lord, that your verse here, it says that, that these children are happy. I want happy plural children, okay? And I remember telling him that. And, and so, but he's a wonder of a counselor. He knew I would never have known to ask for that. So while I don't, you know, I've had friends that have struggled with infertility and they've had to walk through that and it's just wrecked them. But he just prepared me. He knew something I didn't know to ask for. Here's another example, because he doesn't always talk in a timely fashion. Like, for example, uh, two weeks ago, I'm at a Starbucks and I actually had been asking him something I was struggling with in my head and my heart. And so in the middle of a conversation with a girlfriend, he says to me two sentences and it was the answer to the thing I couldn't figure out. And luckily, I was, and here's this, this is when you know it's God, when you can totally hear him clearly and you can still listen to his conversation here. Like it was just the coolest thing ever. But about five years ago, um, Glenn and I, that's my husband, he's still my husband again, two sentences later. But um, uh, he, um, you know, in marriage, you just kind of ebb and flow. 
And so, um, just so you know, we were not flowing, we were ebbing. And if you're a man in here and you're married, as women, we always want to flow. We want to be happy and flowing. And so we were ebbing, and so I had begun to talk to Jesus a little bit about the ebb. And um, so I said, I, I just don't know what's going on. And I was just, just talking and praying about it with him and just asking and asking. So while this is going on, one day I'm cleaning my house and I'm dusting this piece of furniture. And this is what he says to me. He said, Susie, if you want things to get better in your marriage, this is what you should do. He said, you should not say everything that comes to your mind. And I said, huh, well, there's the thought. And I remember thinking, yeah, but how will I let him know? And he was like, yeah, he's good. I've got him. Yeah. And so I just want to say that there might be some of you today, that was the word you came through, women. You might just have come through that. But I, I want you to know, in my life, Jesus has been a wonder of a counselor, and everything he has ever told me has been wise, dead on, and sometimes just out and out astonishing. He has protected us from financial decisions that have brought other people to ruin. He has given us wisdom for a marriage to make it thus far. And, you know, at this time, I know we celebrate Christmas, and I just want to tell you, Helen and some of her volunteers did all this, and it just looks beautiful to me. Like, it's so pretty. And we celebrate Christmas, and we celebrate the birth of Jesus, the Son of God. But I want you to see something today, that his birth can change the direction of your life. You don't have to feel confused. You don't have to lead a life that has absolutely no purpose. You don't have to feel alone. Because even if you are just with Jesus, you are alone with Jesus, you are never alone. You are never alone. And when I think about Christmas, as I was thinking about this on Thursday morning, I thought, you know, Lord, to me, man, Christmas is just a reminder of my freedom. It means that you're always with me. It means that there's no situation or place that I'm at where he can't go to get me, he can't help me, or he can't walk with me. Because he is full of experience, he is unbelievably available, and he is full of all truth, and he has wisdom like nobody's business. For me, Christmas is like Jesus getting off his throne and coming down here to grab my hand to lead me home. He is closer than my next breath, and he has changed my life. Verse 6 reads this way, For unto us a child is born. I need you to know. If you believe on the name of Jesus Christ, we are the us. We are the us. Because he is a wonder of a counselor, and his counsel is necessary. It keeps us out of trouble, and his counsel is faithful every time. And his counsel is always out of a heart of love. Because his best interests and ours are totally intertwined. I want to encourage you. Don't miss the wonder of this season. Because it's Jesus. And he is a wonder of a counselor. Let's pray. Father God, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that you would just send your son for us, God, and that the king of the universe would counsel all of us anytime, anyplace. God, we just love you. I thank you that you are so personal and you care about every teeny, eeny detail of our life. We just praise your name. Thank you for what you are doing in our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I just want to encourage you. We've got three more names and three more weeks. And I just want to let you know that for this Christmas, if you could just press into Jesus, because he's a wonder of a counselor. 
You don't have to experience the expressive, the stress of this Christmas season. You can choose to experience the wonder. I want you to know as you leave today, I want to pray over you guys, Isaiah 55, 12, that you would go out in joy and lead forth in peace. If you've signed up to, to volunteer for Hope for Christmas, we have a meeting right now after this service. You can stay. It's not going to be forever, so don't stress. If you have not signed up and you want to sign up, I want to encourage you to sign up. Proverbs 11.25 reads this way. A generous man will, be, will be, receive generosity, and one who refreshes will refresh others. And I want you to know, you guys, when you come and you give and you serve, God refreshes us every time. You guys, go out and joy and peace. Have a great week.